Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. If you normally skip the pre-roll, then please just give me one second because we have some really good specials from Blick this week. As you know, my favorite way for you to support the podcast is to use our affiliate link when you order your art supplies from Blick.com. All you have to do is go to MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, and that will take you straight through to the regular Blick website. It looks the same. It functions the same. But when you use our affiliate link, Blick donates 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio Podcast. It costs you nothing, and it is a huge benefit to us when you do that. As always, I'm going to remind you to please just bookmark that link, MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick, and then that way you don't even have to think about it. You just use your bookmark when you order your art supplies. So I know for the past few weeks we've been promoting a lot of oil paint specials from Blick, which is great because they've been on sale and it's a great opportunity to get oil paints. But apparently, it's all been leading up to this big mega sale where they put a whole bunch of paint on sale. They're saying that this is the lowest prices of the season, and most importantly to our listenership and to you, Rebecca, I know you listened to the pre-roll, Gamblin' Cold Wax Medium is marked down by 40%. So if you need some cold wax medium, if you want to stock up, now is the perfect time. So go to MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. Take advantage of these offers and make sure that you are well stocked on paint and cold wax medium. All right, that's all for now. MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. On with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about personal and professional. In every kind of work, there are some interactions that are professional and some that can be more personal, and the lines between them are not always clear. How casual, how revealing, how personal can you be while keeping a business-like and professional attitude? In an art career, this issue impacts your interactions in many ways. In talking with dealers and collectors, when you give talks and interviews, in setting the tone of your website, and anytime you are meeting the public. Today, we'll talk about the boundaries between personal and the professional situations in an art career. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So last week, when you and I talked about uh, the topic of vulnerability, um, you suggested that we talk about what we're talking about today as a topic, uh, because it came up that artists can feel vulnerable when they're presenting themselves and presenting their work to people in various situations. Um, and, you know, I think it, it led you to think, well, you know, what is professional? How personal can you be in those situations? I, you know, it's an interesting topic. We have talked about professionalism a long time ago, I think when we were first in the first year of the podcast. But this is kind of about, you know, when is, when is the situation okay to be more open and personal? When to be more businesslike? And, an example that you gave of this was um, the choice that we made on the podcast here to, uh, y when you introduce me, you call me Rebecca or Rebecca Kroll, <laughs> not my mom. Yeah, we try not to, we don't hide the fact that, that you're my mom. Um, but at the same time, we, we treat this kind of like a work environment. And we feel that it's, it's important to maintain a, a level of professionalism on the podcast and uh, and not be too casual in terms of our interaction, it, in, in spite of the fact that our our familiarity is an essential part of this podcast. Right, and the, you know, I think that we, 
the way we try to present ourselves on the podcast is definitely more formal than we would be if, you know, we were visiting each other or something, or even talking on the phone, um, as we do before and after the podcast, (laughs) and then we shift into this other mode, um, and I think it's it's about you know it's about context. I mean this this podcast goes out all over the place, and when we do the podcast, it's my identity as artist, your identity as entrepreneur and host. That you know that's the context of the podcast. If we were doing a podcast about you know family relationships or something, then you know it would be much different. It would be about that relationship, but it's not. So I think that. Anything we're going to talk about today, context is really important. It's, you know, it really gets to the whole issue of when to be more or less formal in how you're presenting yourself. And I think, you know, going back to that idea of vulnerability, as we talked about last week, um, so often artists can feel, you know, pretty exposed and pushed into situations where you know, they're sort of teetering on that border of if their art is very personal and, and you know, lots of good art is highly personal, um, kind of teetering on the edge of what to say about it um, and and not really very sure about it. And those situations come up a lot. You know, we, we're asked, oh, what's your work about? Where do you get your ideas? Things like that. And it's kind of a a double life in a way. It's like, you know, the privacy of your own studio and your own thoughts about your work and where your ideas come from and so on. And then the other side of it, if if you do this, if you present your work to the public, if you self-promote, if you're out there, um, you know, that's a different context. And it's it's not always, you know, easy to know how to navigate that, I would say, well, and I think that professionalism um, allows us to decrease our vulnerability and it, and it allows us to maintain a certain amount of distance um, and, and make us more comfortable. It's, it's, a, uh, it's something that we can lean on in order to not expose too much of ourselves um, and, and, and decrease that, that anxiety that may be associated with that. I, I think that that was part of um, you know, the decision to kind of present ourselves on the podcast the way that we do um, is that this this is going out all over the world to a whole lot of people. And we want to make sure that that we have a certain level of comfort with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that that when you get into that zone of like, you know what your boundaries are, you know what your professional stance is. It is a guideline. It helps you negotiate things. And, you know, I I don't think anyone in any situation other than, you know, a friendship, other than that, I don't think anyone objects to a professional, for somebody having that professional reserve, you know, it sort of makes everyone comfortable. I mean, I think we all know, we've all been in situations where we felt uneasy because, uh, you know, somebody was sort of oversharing, right. like, or you know, you know, the the waiter who is excessively chatty, or the person at the party you barely know who's telling you intimate details. I mean, most people, you know, kind of ugh, cringe a little, back off. You know, this is too much, and and so if you do, if you do know what your boundaries are for being professional, and they're 
you know, appropriate and suitable, then you're going to put everybody at ease, really. Yeah, and it's um, it's it's funny how often those those lines get blurred. I when I'm when I'm driving Uber, people tend to ask me very personal questions, and sometimes I'm not terribly comfortable answering them, you know. But uh, right. or, or maybe they they uh, they don't quite understand that that uh, the small talk that they're trying to make that the answers to these questions are not necessarily comfortable answers. Um, you know, they may ask mm-hmm. me, you know, how did you end up in Florida or, you know, ask me about, you know, yeah. personal things in my life. And it's like, well, some of those answers are kind of tragic and you're about to hear my whole life story. So buckle up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, either that or when people ask questions to an artist that, oh, maybe, get to something more personal. I mean, I think anyone in any profession can have these kind of answers that are sort of like, if somebody says, how did you end up in Florida? Well, it's a long story, you know, I mean, you know, sort of, uh, you know, you can, you can put people off when they, you can let them know I'm not going there right now with you, (laughs) you know, and that, that does happen for artists when, say they're working from, oh, maybe a traumatic situation in their life. They're, you know, they're processing through their art and it's really not something they want to talk about, but they can, as an artist, you can learn to sort of uh, couch what you say in generalized terms to the person. Like, um, you know, this is about, um, you know, I think a lot about trauma and recovery or something like that. You know, they don't have to know what the trauma is, uh, but just enough to kind of let them understand something about the work. And it really, I, I think that zone for artists where when your work is, you know, is something that is so personal, I think it is important to understand how to talk about it in ways that you're comfortable with and you're not going to make someone else uncomfortable. Um, and, and that it also is involved in, um, in self-promotion and how you present yourself. I, so the whole area of self-promotion I think is where, Oh, the personal and the professional kind of bump up against each other because, we, you know, we're often, I think there's conflicting messages about this. We're often advised um, in marketing terms, you know, to be personal and have a story that people relate to and be open and engaging. And um, yeah, I mean, I think some of that is is important um, to help people understand your work and to let them know, yes, this is important to me. This is personal to me. But that kind of shaping that image that you are presenting, however you self-promote, something that you're comfortable with, something that feels feels like you, um, I think is important. And, and if you are the kind of person that spills your guts at parties, I think maybe when you self-promote, you have to dial that back a little bit. Well, and unfortunately, treading that line is, is something that probably only really comes from a, a lifetime of engaging with people socially and picking up on social cues which aren't there when you're when you're you know right. interacting with people who don't who aren't responding to you directly right you're just you know crafting an image that you put out there on Instagram or social media or in newsletters and all that and it is an area where i i notice 
sometimes artists getting a little too personal um, when they when they do these kinds of things. Um, and on the other hand, I mean, a lot of artists are naturally introverts, and they they are not inclined to be personal or oversharing, and and they can be uncomfortable with the whole idea of self promotion for that reason. Um, and you know, just kind of avoiding it, which isn't really the answer either. Um, I, I don't think. I guess in today's world, that um, you know, the the kind of the stereotype. Well, think of Georgia O'Keeffe. You know, the stereotype of this very remote, very unapproachable artist. Ah, you know, it really doesn't fly today. <laughs> I mean, there is an expectation that if you're going to promote your work, it's there will be a personal element. Um, but I do, you know, I do notice it being overly personal sometimes where, um, I don't know, just too chatty, too, um, I don't know, too much about your, your lifestyle, your, you know, your fashion sense, whatever it is. And I, I do believe that self-promotion should focus on your work um, as opposed to your personality. So it's, it really is, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I have the answers or you have the answers, but being aware of those, you know, keep it on, keep it about the art, I guess. And and again, back to context, why do you self-promote? You want to engage people with your work, give them enough to understand you a little bit as a person, but mainly focus on the work. Well, and I, I think that context is important, but we, we also want to understand how people react to and process stories. And, and because really like when you're, when you're establishing yourself to, to another person, when you're, uh, how you portray yourself, it, it should be kind of in a story format. And uh, certainly, um, you know, a story where nothing bad ever happens isn't really a story. But at the same time, we are looking for that that kind of redemption arc. We're looking for a happy ending. We're looking for uh, something that that doesn't leave us thinking, "Oh, you know, wow, that that's just awful." <laughs> and then there's nothing. To, there's right, no. Right. <laughs> there's no. You know, moving past it. Um, so I, I think it's important to um, it, when you when you are uh, per, giving somebody else that context for your art. You don't want to just dwell mm-hmm. entirely on the negative. You want to give people some positive affirmation um, at some point within within your telling of your of your story. If if what you're producing is mm-hmm. entirely negative, um, you know there's there's something to be said for using art to process a negative event in your life. And I, I don't want to take away from that at all. Um, but there there should be if you're trying to sell it to somebody else. Um, there should be kind of a, a glimmer of hope, at least in there. You know, there should be a mm. silver lining. Well, right. The art has always had a function of um, transformation, overcoming, you know, finding ways through it. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it, it does get back to if if that is where you're coming from in your art, how specific do you want to be? Can you just say I've you know, I've struggled for several years with some personal challenges, and now, you know, I'm moving on. I mean, that's pretty vague, and and so on. I think that there there is something to be said for for an amount of specificity that that you're comfortable with. Um, but you mm-hmm. you don't want to make yourself uncomfortable. You don't want to make your audience uncomfortable, and you and you want to 
uh, not leave them in that bad place when you're when you're talking to them. Right. No. Yeah. Good. Good point. Um, it you know we are always talking about these sort of balancing acts. Like it seems like any subject that comes up, because it's just not clear cut all the time. I mean it. It's a personal um, profession to be in, and so you are you will be often you know presented with situations where you're not sure how how to project and so having some idea in your own mind of where those boundaries are uh, as you say what what is comfortable for you what is the context who is your audience um and in terms of self promotion what are your goals i mean are you are you aiming to move into say elite galleries or you know places with really high professional standards um are you wanting to kind of align yourself with people in that uh, at that level? Um, and if so, you know, really keeping the focus on the art is going to keep you in that professional um, territory. Really, it's it's not about your personality or you know, as I said, anything else. Really, that your even details of your story. Um, on the other hand, you know, not everybody's aiming for that, so. You know, if you're not concerned with that, that's not your goal. It really is just finding the place where you feel comfortable and that is inviting to whatever audience you want to attract. And um, sometimes that might be a more personal situation. So I think starting with, you know, what what is your aim? What are you trying to do when you self-promote uh, in terms of being personal and, you know, that's a, that's a good guideline. Let's take a quick minute to talk about what's new from Cold Wax Academy. The summer quarter of Cold Wax Academy's membership program is now underway. Rebecca and Jerry's upcoming weekly live online sessions will explore personal voice and composition and continue the topic of professional development with some special guests. Member critiques and painting clinics, Cold Wax Academy's new feature, are ongoing. You can join the membership program anytime and catch up with past recorded sessions at your own pace. Please visit coldwaxacademy.com for more information. That's coldwaxacademy.com. Also, stay tuned for information coming soon about Rebecca and Jerry's newest project, Espacio, dedicated to providing beautiful living and working spaces for artists and writers. Espacio's first offering is Casa Clavel a modern, fully equipped house opening this September in the beautiful cultural city of San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. You can learn more and make a reservation by emailing info at coldwaxacademy.com. A dedicated Espacio website is coming soon. Once again, to learn more and make a reservation, just email info at coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into it. Uh, would you say that it's it's a it's fair to default to professionalism in when you're not sure which way to go? Absolutely, <laughs> yes, yes, I do think so. And um, you know, if if you never if you never cross the line into a little bit more personal stuff, that's not so good either. I mean, there are times when it's a good thing. But that is a, I, I prefer that as a default zone. Um, 
I want to talk about a few situ- specific situations where this might come up. And one of them is working with galleries. And this is a confusing zone in terms of what's personal and what's professional. Um, oftentimes, very friendly relationships develop between the artist and the director or the owner. And that, you know, that's really nice. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, artists are taken out to dinner, invited to parties. And, and you know, the kind of things that if you look at any profession might go on between business associates and things like that, you know, I mean, there is a level of socializing that that goes with some businesses. And, and you know, that's great. Um, I, I would say, as an aside, it's not essential and not to be expected. I mean, I certainly work with galleries where that has never happened, but others do. Um, but what I, I guess the point is, if there are friendly situations and invitations and things like that, take them in the business context. This is you know, this is a business lunch. This is a social gathering because we are, uh, you know, have this um, professional association. It's basically a business relationship. And and you can really, really like your gallery person. You can really trust them. That's wonderful. But <laughs> I always just think that person is not really your friend. I mean, and there are exceptions also, because maybe you joined the gallery because the person was your friend and they invited you in. Or, you know, once in a while, maybe there's something that really clicks. But basically treating it as a business relationship um, and in terms of, you know, being personal, your honesty is important. Um, And we touched on this last week. If you have a personal situation that is going to get in the way of you delivering work or having an exhibit or something like that, um, yeah, you need to be honest about that. And, And also to be you know, clear with them about what where your work is coming from. And I think you could reveal things to a gallery person that you might not to somebody at an opening, say. And you might go into a little more detail so they they understand you as a person. Um but you're still you still have that reserve. It's business. Um and I think if you cross if you cross the line and consider it I mean, be swayed by the friendly things that happen into considering it more like a friendship, it gets complicated because, you know, you might end up with unrealistic expectations for how the gallery is going to treat you, or they might become uncomfortable because they feel like they can't be honest, or they feel that you're a bit too dependent on them or something. Or you may find so that I the think- gallery is underperforming and that you need to leave and that you're, you kind of feel like you're breaking up with a friend. Oh, Oh yeah, I mean that could really be a problem, and and it's it's hard enough to leave a gallery, and if you've yeah I, yes exactly so, um, I think that urge to be friends with business associates um, and kind of across the board when it really is a business relationship, I I think it sort of comes from you know a need to be liked and you know like. You know, you just want everybody to be happy and maybe some personal insecurities or social insecurities, things like that. And because this is a professional relationship, you really don't want to show that, you know, you really need to project confidence and self-assuredness and and your personal boundaries. So, um, 
yeah, that I think going into a gallery as a new artist to be aware of all of that and and respond to you know friendliness to invitations things like that but seeing it in the context that it is um is important i think that your and, your gallery owner is probably looking for you to d- give them evidence that you can behave yourself <laughs> and and be presentable to the public <laughs> at openings and things like that uh, um, yeah. at the same time uh you know this person is essentially a, a marketing and sales consultant for you. And if you do have mm-hmm. a question about, I'm not sure how personal I should get with my, say, my my artist statement or um, with how I mm-hmm. talk about this work, this is somebody who you, you probably should talk to about that and see what they recommend. Yeah, really good point. Yeah, they, they know the business. They know what's appropriate. They've probably been in situations where the artist was oversharing in some way and have, you know, thought, oh, you know, that's not so good. So, no, that's that's really good advice. And especially if you're, you know, getting into this for the first time, it's new. It's a new thing to navigate. And, um, yes, they, they are the person with experience that can help you kind of shape what, what you want to, how you want to present um, yourself. Another place I wanted to bring up where this personal professional divide comes up is is websites, is your artist's website. If you have one or you're planning to have one, things to think about, maybe some changes to make. And as you said, um, default is formality. I think I think more formal artist websites are are really good on all levels. I mean it it just um <laughs> You don't really know who is going to look at your website, okay? So you may be sort of sending your website out with your friends in mind or something, but you don't know who's going to look at it. And if you come across as too informal, too chatty, too unprofessional, it could stop someone from going further. You know, they like your work. They might want to contact contact you on a professional level, but hmm, not so sure. You know, this this homepage seems to be all about the person's, you know, personality or their dog or something. You know, it's it's just it sets up a barrier. Um, on the other hand, who's going to be put off by professionalism on a website? Who's going to say, "Oh, this is just too formal"? You know, no, I don't think so. Um, uh, I think that is inviting to anybody that that looks at it. If they happen to know you, well, it's fine. They get to see another side of you. Um, if they don't, this is the way to present yourself. And a few examples of things I notice and cringe a little bit at when I'm looking at websites that just seem too personal, too informal. And one is um, using your first name as a URL. So something like you know, artbysusan.com or something, or or even on the home page, sometimes people have a little logo, you know, Art by Susan. Well, professionally, it's first and last name, and that's just an absolute standard. Um, and then as you go through your website and you're talking about things, sometimes you see people always using the first person. You know, I did this, I did that. Always, always... Uh, you know, it's very personal that way. Some of that is absolutely fine. And especially in an artist statement or, you know, a little paragraph where you're talking about the work. Uh, But you can switch to third person 
for say your bio um when a first when a bio is written in the first person it just shifts it a little bit it just changes it i was born here i did this i went to school here um it's not terrible but i just feel like it's more professional to say your name and then your bio as if as if someone were reading it on you know wikipedia or something you know there's that there's that distance a little bit of distance from what you're saying and that is what you will see on you know the more formal professional websites uh fonts are important i would say in a website just stick with standard ones um avoiding something that calls attention to itself it it almost when i see really fancy fonts and designs and things on a website i think I think the person looks a little insecure as if the art itself isn't sufficient. I mean, it's pulling away from the art. Uh, we want people to look at your work. Um, when you're talking about yourself on the website, there is some non-art information that might be relevant. For example, if your work is about landscape, it's okay to say, you know, you enjoy hiking or you enjoy travel because that's an obvious connection with your ideas, with your sources. But, you know, you don't need to talk about your dog or your kids or you like to cook. I mean, hobbies, family, pets, that is not relevant. But people include that stuff sometimes so that they their website is intended to feel personal, to feel friendly. And I'm just taking a little bit of issue with that and saying, why not make it so that you know, if somebody is looking at it from a very professional point of view, they won't be disappointed. Um, and I, you know, I just think that's, that is a personal decision, obviously. I just, I just went on my little soapbox no, and said fine. what I thought about it. <laughs> well, and, and I would add too, um, and, and this may be somewhat controversial and, and certainly, uh, Anybody could come up with many examples of this advice not being followed and uh, not being followed quite successfully. Um, but I tend to think that um, people should avoid uh, cute nicknames. Um, so, like, there was when I was bartending, there was a girl that we hired, uh, and her name was Michaela, and she went by Mickey. And I said, Mickey is the name of a cartoon mouse. You should go by Michaela if you want people to take you seriously. And, and she did. She went by Michaela as long as she worked there. Um, when she when she left that oh. position, she went back to going by Mickey. Um, but uh, it's the, the when I when I see people in. Um, in professional positions who are using a cute nickname like that, um, I personally, mm. I'm instantly put off. I'm instantly like, how yeah. seriously should I take this person? Um, and that right. may be my own bias. It may be something. I mean, you go by Rebecca instead of Becky. Um, and that may be something yes. that I kind of internalized uh, growing up <laughs> with you as my mother. Um, you know, that, uh, that we don't go by cute nicknames if we want to be taken seriously. Um, well, and you know, that <laughs> interesting that you say that, I mean, that decision to drop my childhood nickname was, I was 18 years old and I thought, okay, that's a kid name. You know, to me it was, and I want to be taken seriously. That's exactly why I did it. Um, and you're right. There will be a exceptions to that i mean absolutely um and you know it, but it's something to think about especially uh in approaching your website 
what name do you want to be known by professionally? What what projects the the right um, aura around you and that you're comfortable with? So yeah, good point. You know, another thing that I would bring up is um, just how we how we present ourselves in public on a on a regular basis. Um, you know, I'm not saying that you need to wear a suit and tie to go to the grocery store, um, but uh, you know, you, you got to read the room a little bit. You know, <laughs> figure out okay, what what is what is the the context here? But I personally, I'm never afraid of being the best dressed person in any situation. Um, I don't I don't own t-shirts or shorts. Uh, every one of my shirts has a collar and buttons, unless it was something that was given to me that I haven't thrown away for some reason. Um, but that I don't, I don't wear t-shirts, you know, I, and I don't wear shorts, and I, I'm always prepared, even when I'm going to the grocery store, to have an interaction with somebody that you know might be a sales opportunity or might be somebody that can give me. Um, you know, some other opportunity, some networking opportunity, something like that. And so I always want to be prepared to have that conversation with somebody and I want to be presentable. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So now if I could share a mom story, since, okay, we're talking about personal and professional, I'm going to be slightly personal. You were the only child in second grade who wore a dress shirt and tie for your school picture. Wasn't afraid of being the best dressed kid. At, at seven years old, so I, I've always known that about you and appreciate that. <laughs> um, and it's it's a very it's it is tied in with a serious demeanor and all that, you know. And it's not that you can't be fun, but just that presentation of you know I am a professional, and this is so true. I think at art openings because I mean. I have been to art openings where the artists deliberately dressed down or dressed as they would if they were going to the studio because it's kind of, I find it almost an aggressive in-your-face thing of, well, this is me, take me as I am, you know, I'm not going to be fake. And so they come to the opening and, you know, whatever, they, there's nothing to, to show to anybody that this is a special occasion to them. And I just think at an opening, if it's your work, um, it's respectful to to dress up and and just sort of show appreciation for people that have come uh, to see your work. And um, that's <laughs> I know a lot of people obsess about what to wear to openings. I mean, the artists do, uh, and and usually it's black, so that's you know a place to start. But <laughs> you know, it it is, and I'm joking about that. But artists do a lot of artists wear a lot of black. Um, it's. I don't know. I I just think it's respectful, and I think that's what you're saying yeah, too. Absolutely, is- and and that's a good way to describe it because when you when you dress nice, you don't do it for you. You don't do it to put on airs or to um, make yourself look better than other people. You do it for other people to show that you respect them. And and I mean that's mm-hmm. that's why that's why we dress up for business occasions or for weddings or for. Um, you know, to go to church or whatever we're doing, where we're expected to dress a little bit nicer, it's it's a a, a it's a way to show respect to other people. Yeah, and and you know, just just to uh, get back to behaving at openings again, because that is a time when, besides the way you dress, your your personal and professional worlds are are colliding big time. You know, because you're there with your work. That's what people see. They're going to approach you, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, maybe with questions you're not ready to answer, you don't want to answer, having some kind of um, polite deflection uh, in your head is a good thing. 
Um, and I think on a personal level, you can feel pretty uncomfortable at these things. Um, you feel exposed, you feel vulnerable. And I, I do think we touched on this last week too. I do think it's important to try not to show that. And your, your attitude can simply be friendly. Um, if you want to stick to kind of small talk, that's kind of okay. I mean, if that's what you're comfortable with, a lot of people who come to an opening um, don't really have the language to converse about your work. They may be very appreciative. They may come up to you and say, oh, I love your work. Well, you know, a lot of us don't know where to go from there. Oh, thank you. And then, and then if it diverges into, oh, where are you from? And that sort of thing. I think it's okay because you've established some kind of contact with that person um, and you're still in that professional zone. You know, you're, you're still conducting yourself in a way that has, you know, dignity and reserve and all those things that to me are professional. Um, and I think sometimes artists feel the pressure at openings to go into self-promotion mode and immediately have launch into a speech about their work or something uh, honestly, in my own experience, that usually doesn't work very well. I haven't really tried it that much, but if people don't have the language of art to talk to you and you start sort of lecturing them about your work, it, it may become uncomfortable for them. So I think meeting people on the level that you sense they're coming from is also professional. It's not, uh, it's respectful, as you say. It's it's like, okay, you're you're friendly, you like my work, so let's make you comfortable here. And I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that at an opening. <laughs> yeah. And it's, that's also a, a solid sales technique uh, to, to meet your customer where it, with uh, where they're already at to, to continue the conversation that they're already having in your head, in their head before you begin talking, um, you know, mm -hmm. and not to try to shake shake them out of their comfort zone you know it's right and sometimes you see this advice about when somebody says i like your work then you're supposed to say oh and what do you like about it you know and okay Put i'm sorry that really puts like somebody that, yeah. on the, puts them on the spot like oh i don't know nice color you know i mean it makes them feel kind of dumb because they can't if they don't if they're not used to talking about art but they appreciate it they like it they've come to your opening um you know, you don't want to make them feel inadequate in some way. So I don't know, just being natural, just like, yeah, chatting about whatever they seem to want to chat about if they want to at all. Maybe they just want to say hello. Um, and I, I just think sometimes the advice about how to be professional is unrealistic. I mean, that that sort of advice is stuff I've read. And I don't know. In in real life, does it actually work? In my experience, not so much. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> seems like the kind of advice that somebody would make if they if they've never actually had a real social interaction at a at an art opening before. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, you know, I'm sure some people do this too. I mean, I'm sure some artists take that seriously and and do this, and maybe it works for them. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, and I can't make that work work very well. I think really it always just gets down to being yourself with a bit of reserve. I mean, if you tend to be a person who spills everything out, then you might need a little more reserve. A lot of people err on the other side. They're they're nervous, they're self-conscious, um, and way out of their comfort zone when they're meeting the public. And then 
trying to find that place where you just would be, you know, having a pleasant little bit of social interaction with somebody is really okay, I think. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, I, we we really do need to be ourselves, like I just said, in, in interacting with people that are interested in our work, which after all, your work is very personal. So you have that connection, you have that personal connection. Um, but as we've talked about, when it's a public context, I think it's good to err on the side of being a bit more formal, more reserved, more dignified, if you will. Um, I think it's too easy otherwise to kind of get into that unprofessional area of interaction that could could put someone off. Um, and, and basically, if you're showing your work, if you're selling your work, I think you need to have a little bit of remove from it all. I mean, that's something that we've also discussed in the past, you know, when you're, when you put your work out in the world, you have to be able to step back from it a little bit. And so your demeanor in speaking about your work or in speaking about yourself can also have that little bit of distance. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at ColdWaxAcademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out RossTickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.